with the scent of potpourri, filled with commit to memory. Crossing the felt ropes, watching from home on my TV, looking at all my eyes can see, they tell me I view obsessively. Hello and welcome to The Obsessive Viewer. We're a movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show each episode. You can find more of our work at obsessiveviewer.com. And while every episode will always be free, if you'd like to support what we do here, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer for tons of bonus audio content, including TV and book reviews, immediate reaction movie reviews, Patreon potpourri episodes, movie commentary tracks, and much more. I'm your host, Matt Hart, and of course, you can find me on social media and on Letterboxd at Obsessive Viewer. And joining me today, making his triumphant return to the Obsessive Viewer, is my friend and colleague from the IFJ, Sam Watermeyer, who can be found on Letterboxd at Sam Movie Man. And yes, and his reviews can also be found on Midwest Film Journal. So, Sam good happy monday um how are you doing this uh this evening i'm pretty good um i think this is the first episode i've been on with the uh new theme song i agree it definitely Uh, is yeah uh very very official very cool i know right i'm so i'm so freaking like proud of it and excited about it every time i hear it should be it's it's really cool yeah it is what the kids call a banger um yeah i I love it yes it absolutely does which speaking of which listeners if you want to check out the full theme song and more great music from our friends at as good as it gets uh you can go to as good as it gets music.com i need to write down their actual url let me just vamp for a second here and uh as good as it gets music.com or just check the show notes for uh, the uh, links and everything. The full theme song title is, um, oh my God, I'm a little mad sometimes, theme song from the Obsessive Viewer podcast. So check that out as good as it gets. And thank you so much to Mike and Dustin for putting together that uh, that uh, theme song for us. And uh, okay, yeah. Anyway, I have a link in the show notes and everything. So Wait, wait a minute. The band is called As Good As It Gets? Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, so they, it's even a reference to a movie. Perfect. <laughs> yep, exactly. Oh, yeah. It's uh, it's my friends, Mike and Dustin. Mike, the, uh, I guess, recurring now co-host of Obsessive Viewer, uh, one of the OG co-hosts, um, uh, his band. And uh, they did a Kickstarter last year for their album. And one of the like reward levels was we'll do a song workshop and we'll write we'll write a song for you i'm like you're gonna write the new obsessive viewer theme song <laughs> and uh nice. yeah and they did it we did it so i'm i was very excited about that um yeah so yeah so how have you been since the last time you were on the show um it's been probably a few months and i apologize that we couldn't get you on for the bad guys because that just kind of all fell fell through our fingers oh that's okay yeah uh i'm trying to think of what the last thing we talked about was um um i think it was the batman in march oh yeah okay yeah um you just got the uh big love was it a steelbook release of the batman uh so i got a uh a walmart exclusive nice box set 
nice. um, of the Batman uh, because I love that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, makes me very happy. Yes. Um, fuck the haters. <laughs> uh, that's that's too strong. Some mm. I I love some of the haters. So right. I'm just joking around. Sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> but also in another uh, more real sense, fuck the haters. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh yes so i just got that i haven't dug into the special features yet but nice. it's uh it's pretty slick packaging yeah oh yeah it looks very very cool very cool um yeah the the cover is basically batman's chest and that does have kind of a steelbook uh mm-hmm. feel to it and you know you can oh and it comes with a stand so you can display it nice uh the batman chest with the with the you know bat symbol obviously Sweet. uh so yeah just doing a little plug for walmart here <laughs> nice. uh, go, go to go to walmart <laughs> buy the batman yes oh yes uh so yeah so what's new and everything what have what have you been up to um uh not much man um i uh Let's see. I don't think I've reviewed anything since the bad guys, sadly. Uh, so I'm, I'm glad I have a chance to uh, review something new, <laughs> yeah. even though it's a total piece of shit. I, right. It is. Uh, we'll talk about it. By the way, on this episode, we are going to be uh, doing a brief review of the Northmen since I just finally uh, got around to watching it. And, uh, and we're going to do kind of a featured review of Jurassic World Dominion. And that's going to be, that's the piece of shit. Exactly. It is, it is going to be an interesting conversation. Um, I will say that in the interim, since you've been on the show, um, your Batman forever essay, uh, was published on Midwest film journal. And, uh, it looks like you also reviewed infinite storm, Sonic, the hedgehog two and the bad guys. Um, all right. I guess I did more than I thought. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll put links to all that in the show notes, of course, and everything. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I had Brent on uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I kind of ended the show with, with this question, but I'll throw this out to you right now um, at the start, and then we can get into our reviews and everything. But um, we are about halfway through 2022. Um, I will say that this has been in terms of movies watched, one of my biggest, I'm, I'm in a record breaking year now in terms of number of movies watched in the year. Um, I am, I'm very much on, on route for that. So I'm excited, but, um, of the 2022 releases you've seen up to this point, what would be your one like recommendation that like everyone needs to go see it right now? Um, uh, as, as soon as they can. I would urge people to rush out to see Top Gun Maverick in nice. IMAX. Nice. Um, uh, I think it's my favorite movie of the year right now. Nice. It's just uh, classic summer blockbuster action, mm-hmm. uh, real action. Yes. Because Tom Cruise is an action god mm-hmm. who uh, can actually fly fighter jets and train <laughs> actors how to fly them as well oh, yeah. and how to film inside of their cockpits. Um, yes. I don't care if he's a Scientologist. If that <laughs> helps him create this magnificent entertainment. Oh, yeah. Poor dude. <laughs> yep. Um <laughs> uh it's just such a pure um 
you know, old fashioned summer action movie. Yeah. Um, but it's still, you know, it has some emotional heft to it. Mm-hmm. I, I was totally invested in the characters. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, it's legit, dude. Um, Hell yeah. I, uh, uh, yeah, Top Gun Maverick, mm-hmm. um, you know, who, who says the best movie of the year can't be blockbuster <laughs> entertainment, you know, oh, I mean, that's why we go to the, yeah, I mean, that's exactly. why most people go to the movies, so. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, and what, what's, what kind of blows my mind about that, and I know that I already reviewed it on the show and everything, so that's fine, but, um, the thing that kind of blows my mind about Top Gun Maverick is that, it's a sequel to a like big blockbuster movie that was very popular and everything that I just didn't, I didn't get the appeal of. I didn't really care about. And then here Top Gun Maverick is it's, it is that just kind of ode to blockbuster filmmaking and like a big blockbuster action and everything without being uh nostalgic for the original or, or trying to, trying to be something like trying to reclaim the magic or whatever the popularity of the first one was. It's its own thing. And it's just so cool. I think that's a really good point. Yeah. I think you could go into this one without having seen mm. Top Gun and still appreciate it for what it is. Oh, I yeah. mean, obviously it, it pays some great fan service to mm-hmm. fans of the original, but um, my brother actually uh, he said when he saw it, even though he had only seen Top Gun once mm-hmm. many years ago, he found himself like kind of choked up by nice. some of the references to the original. Nice. Like when Tom Cruise says, you know, talk to me, goose, mm-hmm. he, he got a little misty eyed and yeah. it wasn't even because of nostalgia for mm-hmm. the original. It's just because I, I think emotionally this one is so earnest and, and yeah. uh, really genuine and heartfelt. Um and, uh, you know, again, that's, uh, a lot of credit to Tom Cruise, I think. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, so that's awesome. So if you haven't seen Top Gun Maverick yet, go check it out and then, uh, go back and listen to my review of it also. <laughs> but that is Sam's official recommendation. Um, yes. all right. So do you want to get into these reviews tonight? Any, any other new business, anything to plug or anything? Uh, before I'm, uh... we... I'm ready to jump in. Nice. All right. Well, we're going to start with a review of The Northman, uh, Robert Eggers' new movie that is uh, that had its theatrical run and is now available to stream on Peacock. This is going to be a kind of brief overview review, so I'm going to go ahead and play a clip from the trailer now instead of for spoilers, because I don't think we're going to do really a spoiler section. So here's a clip from the trailer for The Northman. Oh, I've missed you. One day this kingdom will be yours. Thank you, Father. My king. Father! All 
right, so the plot summary, courtesy of IMDb, is from visionary director Robert Eggers comes the Northman, an action-filled epic that follows a young Viking prince on his quest to avenge his father's murder. So, Sam, how did you feel about the Northman, and uh, and maybe before that, how did you feel? How did you feel about Robert Eggers' previous two movies, The Witch and The Lighthouse? Um. Well, I absolutely adore The Witch. Mm-hmm. Um, I too. think it's kind of a modern horror classic, honestly. Yeah. Um, I think Robert Eggers has a great talent for making these foreign worlds uh, really accessible, kind of surprisingly accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think, uh, you know, that's because he... <sighs> You know, obviously, The Witch and The Lighthouse um, are presented in a language that feels kind of foreign. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's very, I don't know if you'd call it old English, but um, yeah. uh, I think it, it remains accessible because he touches upon these universal themes like family, mm-hmm. um and, uh, you know, um, uh, religious persecution and, uh, in the lighthouse, you know, um, kind of camaraderie and, um, at the same time, uh, you know, how lack of trust can form between, uh, two people, mm-hmm. uh, how tension can form, um, uh, you know, I, uh, the idea of isolation. <clears throat> so I think he, I, I really respect him as someone who uh, obviously has no interest in exploring <laughs> our modern world. Right. Um, he even said as much, you know, yeah. he, he doesn't plan on doing anything contemporary. And um, I think that's great. Um, you know, it's really hard to pull off a, such an immersive period piece and still make it accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, with the Northman, it feels like this is his shot at slightly more mainstream cinema. Yeah. Um, you know, this one isn't, this one didn't play exclusively at art houses. Mm-hmm. It was in, you know, big theaters as well. I think it was going for sort of a, uh, a widespread like brave heart kind of appeal. Yeah. Um, and um, I'm not sure it will have that appeal on mainstream audiences. <laughs> I liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I think it's, uh, uh, you know, it works so well on a visceral level. Um, uh, you know, there's a, a village raid sequence that's done seemingly in, in one long shot, yes. one long tracking shot. <clears throat> and it's just brutal mm-hmm. and kind of badass. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's horrifying and very oh, yeah. violent, but you can't help it, you know, kind of get swept up in the excitement of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Alexander Skarsgård is very uh, engaging. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's a, uh, uh he, he really makes you want to follow that character mm. um i'm kind of rambling i'm <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna uh uh yeah basically uh i think robert eggers has this kind of enthusiasm for mm. 
uh, foreign, um, foreign periods and foreign landscapes that, Mm -hmm. you know, is kind of infectious. It sort of rubs off on you. I mean, I honestly didn't have much interest in Vikings before this movie. Right. Um, but I, I was, I was hooked. Oh, totally. Oh yeah. yeah. And like it, it is, it does feel like his most accessible movie. Um, and that's, that's with an asterisk because it is it is fairly unique in the way that like like you said the dialogue is very much uh, very much not like uh like modern day speak at all but <laughs> but it does feel like a little bit less aggressively like of the era than say the witch which was like basically like t- like literally taking like words from journals of the time <laughs> and putting it into actors mouths um so like there's i feel like he found a little bit of like a middle ground between those two projects and everything and it also helps that this story is it, by all accounts a very straightforward vengeance revenge story and i think that 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 kind of really helps sell the accessibility of it but also it does some pretty cool stuff like there's i kind of i first of all his visual style like the immersiveness of the eras that he depicts and everything is like it is so immersive it is so just incredibly like enveloping you in this world so like i was just entranced by it and then on the other hand, like the other hand, like this story is like about all consuming vengeance and, and like what, like devoting yourself to this singular focus. And then, uh, I, I don't know. I don't want to give anything away, but I just like how it, how the character and the characters, um, the perspective on certain characters shift throughout the story, um, in some pretty cool and interesting ways. Yeah. Yeah, and I think going back to its accessibility mm-hmm. and sort of mainstream appeal, I can't take credit for this comparison, but mm-hmm. someone said it was um, it was like Conan the Barbarian meets Hamlet, and oh, I, I think that's a, yeah, I think that's a pretty good analogy. And and yeah. um, I mean, you could argue that it's you know derivative, but I would mm-hmm. say it just kind of touches upon you know classic themes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, what period and what landscape he tackles next, because oh, me too. I, I feel like all three of his films have been pretty vastly different. Yeah. So, and which I appreciate, he seems to only be growing and exploring new territory. So, oh, I totally agree. And, uh, he's one of those filmmakers that I'm, I mean, it, it, like you said, he seems comfortable doing a certain type of thing. Like the movies are vastly different, but like going into these different like eras and everything, he has this ability to just make it so immersive, like I said, but, um, I'm just, I'm eager to see what he does next. And I'm glad that he's just come out and said like, yeah, I have no interest in telling like a modern day story at all. Like it's just not in my, like in my, uh, wheelhouse or anything and like i'm just like yeah okay cool yeah keep doing what you're doing man it's awesome uh yeah um yeah any other thoughts on the northman i know i said it would be kind of uh brief but uh yeah any other thoughts on it um oh well (laughs) 
As a fan of uh, Big Little Lies, I, <laughs> I have to say it was amusing to see Alexander Skarsgård and Nicole Kidman go from portraying lovers to oh, mother and son. That's okay. Um, I didn't know that they played uh, lovers in uh, Big Little Lies because I still haven't watched it and I feel terrible. <laughs> um, oh, it's okay. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, husband and wife, I should say. Okay. Lovers gotcha. is a gross term. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I guess I would say I, I thought Nicole Kidman was great as well. Yeah. Um, she delivers this kind of larger than life performance that's mm-hmm. appropriate for the sort of Shakespearean quality of it. Um, and Anya Taylor-Joy uh, is great as well. Mm-hmm. Um, she seems to be kind of uh, sort of a muse for... Robert Eggers, so yeah. I'd love to see them, uh, you know, collaborate in the future. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really funny when the first trailer for The Northman came out. People were people were like, what if Anya Taylor-Joy is playing the same character from The Witch and, like, now she's, like, all powerful and stuff? And it's like, uh, check the dates that it's set. Because um, it's... Uh, <laughs> right. I don't think that really maths out all that well. But, but yeah, she was fantastic. <laughs> and, and Nicole Kidman. Um yeah, I want to make a the heartbreak feels good in a place like this, but I can't. I I don't. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> the uh, the violence and the action, um, like you you mentioned the kind of village raid scene, um, that like the way the camera moves through the action, it's not it's not like a it's not like a blockbuster filmmaking kind of thing. It's just this like behind him walking through and like there was one moment where he I think it was that sequence where he um the the guy on the horseback is coming at him with like a spear or something or like an axe or a sword or whatever and like he just has like a hatchet and he's just walking and like you can like see the tension of him like timing how he's gonna throw that throw the hatchet at him and stuff and I'm just like that is that is just so insanely badass. <laughs> yeah. Just so freaking cool. Um, um, yeah. That actually brings up a point mm-hmm. uh, I wanted to make about Skarsgård, per- Skarsgård's performance. Mm-hmm. I think it's great that um, it's really impressive that he can pull off playing someone so physically intimidating mm-hmm. and so capable of brutal violence, yet uh, someone who also seems very vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, like he can, he can take dudes down, yeah. but you still somehow worry about him throughout oh, the movie. Absolutely. I think that's pretty impressive. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. He, he has this kind of specific range to his performance here. That's just, it's, it's really, really, uh, really cool. It's very, um, it, it's, it's very, uh, well, it's well-rounded, um, yeah. Yeah. It's not dependent on like uh, the physical performance versus the emotional performance. They're kind of, the, it's balanced well. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, without really talking about the ending of it, the, um, directly, but like it ends in such a way that it kind of feels like it. it is kind of, I don't want to say predictable, but it's, it is kind of a, it's not really a surprise or it doesn't lead down any like surprising paths or anything. 
Um, I think the word you used was like formulaic or, or what have you. Um, and that's and like, I can't kind of came away from it thinking like, okay, well that's fine. It's, it's, it's fine. But I think I just enjoyed the entire experience uh, as a whole, a lot more than, than I did with like the last 20 or 30 minutes. Um, how'd you feel about the ending in kind of broad terms, I guess? Um, well, I, I found it a little anticlimactic, but mm-hmm. I thought our, our friend and colleague, Nick Rogers, I believe mm-hmm. made a really good point. He said, you know, that's sort of the point is mm-hmm. that revenge isn't satisfying. Um, the fact that the movie just kind of fizzles out, mm-hmm. uh, feels sort of appropriate, yeah. um, to fit that, to fit that theme. Um, I do. I also like how the ending has a bit of a revenge of the Sith uh, feel to it. <laughs> I, I kept thinking that too. <laughs> like, okay, sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, because um, it's, I don't, yeah. I mean, it's set on a, a volcano. Yeah. That's not really spoiling that nah. much. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I do think it's anticlimactic, but I would also argue that that's kind of part of the point. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. That's definitely fair. Um, yeah. So do you think that this will make like any top 10 lists or any like best of the year list for you? Like, where is it in your, in your brain right now? Um, I mean, I don't have a lot of movies that I've given really high ratings to, Mm -hmm. I think just the Batman and Top Gun Maverick. Um, this is probably a a four star movie for me. I, I don't know if it'll make my top 10. Um, I did, I do kind of enjoy it more now thinking about it and talking about it, Mm -hmm. um, than I did in the theater. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think it might sneak onto some, some top 10 lists. Nice. Nice. I could see it breaking through on mine. I'm kind of hoping that the rest of the year, obviously like we have a lot, lot of stuff to go and everything, but, um, I'm hoping that it's going to be a year that will have a lot of like hard choices in terms of where to put movies on the top 10. But, uh, but yeah, the yeah. Northman is definitely going to be a contender for me because I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, all right. Well, that is our review of the Northman. Um, we are going to now go into our featured review of <sighs> Jurassic world dominion. <laughs> Um, <sighs> yes. Before we get into that, I do want to ask very briefly, of course, what your thoughts are on the original Jurassic Park trilogy, Jurassic Park, The Lost World, and Jurassic Park 3. Um, just what's your history with, with those three movies in particular? And then we can get to the Jurassic World trilogy. Um, I mean, Jurassic Park is a classic it's mm-hmm. pure movie magic it's one of the best movies ever made yeah that's why this one is such a fucking insult <laughs> absolutely uh, <laughs> <laughs> um seriously like when the original theme plays during mm-hmm. this movie it's such a fucking disgrace it's it's like um, a weird fart in the movie for for <laughs> lack of a better term like it yeah yeah even with like with like Pirates of the Caribbean five, I think I remember that like, that's not, I didn't really care about it at that point. I, I hadn't even seen Pirates of the Caribbean four, 
But like seeing that in the theater, I was like, okay, I don't really care about this or whatever. This is just the only thing that was playing. But when that original like Pirates of the Caribbean theme plays, I'm like, oh, I'm getting kind of amped. I'm getting kind of nostalgic. Here, when the Jurassic Park theme plays, I'm like, oh, I still don't give a shit <laughs> about what's going on. Um, yeah, but it, but anyway, yeah, the original <laughs> well, it just <laughs> feels so unearned. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, oh, yeah. Um. I think, uh, you know, I think the second one's fun. Mm. Um, I mean, I, I saw that in the theater. Mm. Um, I loved it as a kid. I still kind of enjoy it now. I think Jurassic Park 3 gets a really bad rap. I mm-hmm. actually think that movie is is very entertaining, and, and nice. I think I've actually watched it about as many times as the original. Oh, wow. Or nice. At least, or at least at least close to, mm-hmm. I mean, I just think it's, I just think it's very entertaining. Nice. Um, so I think the original trilogy is pretty solid. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, you know, two and three, um, are like, uh, you know, basically like three star movies for me. Um, yeah. you know, they're nowhere near the original, but they're, mm-hmm. they're fun. Yeah. Um, sure. Yeah. Yeah, I I like I mean Jurassic Park is one of my all-time favorites. One of the first movies I saw in the theater that I can remember and like I remember the oh, experience. Oh man, I'm jealous. Yeah, uh it was so like I remember the experience of going to the movie theater. Like I think I've told this anecdote on the podcast before, but um I remember I remember that like my parents were like, "Oh, we're going to take you we're going to take you guys out for a surprise and everything. And like earlier that day or earlier that week, they had been talking about like, like they were reading in the paper about how like, Oh, you know, Jurassic park, this movie looks amazing and everything like in the physical newspaper, they were reading about it. But, um, I remember like we were going and we didn't know where we were going. And then I was like, wait, I think, I think this was this is the same route that my like neighbors took when they took us to see Super Mario Brothers. I think we're going to go see a movie. I think we're going to see Jurassic Park. Um, so, so that always stands out in my mind. But yeah, Jurassic Park is absolutely just it is it is one of my absolute favorite movies. And then everything that's come after that, I honestly don't know if I've given. I I don't know if I've cared about any of them really um <laughs> the lost world i i remember it being okay but a little too different i guess um my big takeaway when revisiting it a few years ago was that ian malcolm the transition from ian malcolm from being like this kind of comic relief sort of character in the first movie to leading man just didn't mesh well with me um and so that kind of downplayed the lost world for me um and then jurassic park 3 i just don't really remember hardly anything about it except a plane and um oh god uh i can't even remember who would um wow why can't i think of his name anyway um uh william h macy right was he in it yeah yeah yep that's about it um yeah so so yeah mixed bag that one has I think that one has kind of a neat uh, setup in mm-hmm. that William H. Macy and his wife mm-hmm. get Dr. Grant to take them to uh, Isla Nubar, mm-hmm. Nublar, whatever the fuck it's called. <laughs> um, 
like under the guise of being uh, just rich people who want to, you know, want to take a tour Mm -hmm. of dinosaur land and have his, (laughs) uh, you know, guidance through it. But their son is on the island and it's like a rescue mission. I mean, I thought that was a fun setup. Yeah. And I I think it's, I think it's a fun movie. Um, Mm -hmm. It's certainly a better setup than the fucking piece of shit we're about to discuss. Yes, absolutely. I'm so, sorry I'm, I'm, I have such a potty mouth. It's oh, no, just, it's mad. absolutely. This movie warrants it, honestly. <laughs> um, so, so really quick, Jurassic World, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. I, I, I rewatched Jurassic World in preparation for Dominion, and then I planned on rewatching Fallen Kingdom, and I was like, I don't care enough about it. Like, it... Fallen Kingdom was just a train wreck anyway. Um, And Jurassic World, I felt like, was such an interesting concept. The idea of them bringing out, like, like having a fully functional park for dinosaurs to wreak havoc on everything was really interesting, really intriguing. And then they just squandered it with this just, uh, for lack of a better word, dumb, just dumb story about kid like the kids were like it's basically they take the idea of a fully functional park and then they just condense the entire story into these two kids that are trying to get out of the park and it leaves all of like the the chaos of a of a functioning park going haywire completely like on the table like it's gone like it, it isn't touched on so it's annoying but how'd you feel about jurassic world and fallen kingdom um, I agree with you that Jurassic World, um, you know, is an interesting idea. I, <laughs> you know, you can't help but feel like, uh, you know, why are people funding this fucking thing? <laughs> yeah. Um, like was the original not enough of a disaster, but right. then, you know, you look at like how no one's doing anything about guns for decades yeah. and then you're like, yeah, I get it. Yeah. Um, it, it sadly attracts. Yeah. Um, but uh, the problems with it that you mentioned are kind of uh, duplicated in this latest one, yeah. uh, which we'll get to mm-hmm. soon. But I actually didn't see Fallen Kingdom. Oh, wow. So uh, during the opening uh, sequence for um, Dominion, mm-hmm. um, you know, they mentioned the the clone character. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And uh, they just say her name, like Maisie Lockwood or yeah. whatever. And, and our friend and colleague, Mitch Ringenberg, mm-hmm. turned to me and said, uh, uh, yeah, she she's a clone. And I kind of <laughs> laughed it off. And he said, no, no, really, she's a clone. Uh, <laughs> she's introduced in Fallen Kingdom as a clone. Yep. And I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Um, devil's advocate so, yeah i to be completely honest like fallen kingdom is a terrible movie it don't don't bother seeing it like no it it is it's dumb the the dumbest part about it is that they have this kind of like um underworld like high bidding thing for the for the for the dinosaurs and like it's like this silent That's auction cool. it is but the silent auction like people are bidding like like oh like three million dollars for this genetically engineered di- di- extinct dinosaur <laughs> like they're lowballing it so hard and it is so cringy but 
Um, it was funny because I had completely forgotten about the clone thing from Fallen Kingdom until like that opening sequence in, in Dominion. But I will say, like, I thought in in Fallen Kingdom, in a in a better movie, it would have been more interesting. It would have been much more interesting than what we got if there was anyone competent, like that was interested in making like a good science fiction movie about the implications of this and everything would have been really interesting to run with that but the way it is it isn't good and then they we'll talk about dominion here in a second but um it's just it's it's dumb but yeah um yeah fallen kingdom was uh, not good (laughs) yeah (laughs) um so without further ado do you want to get into our review of jurassic world (laughs) Uh, Dominion. Uh, I yeah. guess. Okay. <laughs> All right. So we're going to start with a non-spoiler review, and then I'll play a clip from the trailer to separate it into a spoiler review. If you want to check the show notes for timestamps and everything, go ahead. They're all there. But the plot summary, courtesy of IMDb for Jurassic World Dominion, is as follows. Four years after the, well, the destruction of Isla Nubar... Dinosaurs now live and hunt alongside humans all over the world. This fragile balance will shape the future and determine once and for all whether human beings are are to remain the apex predators on a planet they now share with history's most fearsome creatures in a new era. So, Sam, how did you feel in broad, non-spoiler terms about Jurassic World Dominion? (laughs) Well, after hearing that synopsis, I really wish we got that movie. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's nothing like, okay. So that is nothing <laughs> like what the movie actually delivers. And I don't think this is really spoilery. So basically that synopsis of humans coexisting with dinosaurs and the implications of that Mm -hmm. to me really only happens in the opening montage sequence, which is actually, which is actually pretty fun. You see news footage of like, you know, dinosaurs at parks. And then Mm -hmm. you see a wedding ceremony where the couple releases doves and a pterodactyl snatches (gasps) them. I forgot. Um, yeah. like that's, that's pretty funny. That's, yeah. you know, that's enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, I really wish this was more of a, you know, dinosaurs running around earth, yeah. um, uh, large scale disaster movie, mm-hmm. but without getting spoilery, it's sadly very small scale. Yeah. Um, in terms of it's focus on, you know, just a few characters in one location, Mm -hmm. uh, which is what, you know, Jurassic world does as well. Um, uh, it's a very schizophrenic movie. It Mm -hmm. feels like the stuff with the original cast and the stuff with the new cast until they unite, it feels like two completely separate movies. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the cast, the original cast reunion feels desperate and sad. Yeah. Um, rather than truly enjoyable as a, you know, nostalgia fest. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, just to give you an example, at one point, uh, Laura Dern says that 
uh, Jeff Goldblum's character slid into her DMs. I, uh, she's an Academy yeah. Award winning actress. Yes. I, I mean, like Jesus Christ. I physically shuddered at that. <laughs> like, oh, oh, I'm. Uh, yeah, yeah. I really hope she held out for a big payday for this movie. Uh, that was, <laughs> I, yeah. I I really wish the dinosaurs felt more threatening. Mm-hmm. Um, they kill less than a handful of people mm-hmm. in the movie. Uh, the humans seem to be able to easily outrun them as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, all Chris Pratt needs to do is hold his fucking hand up to stop them. <laughs> yep. Which apparently Dr. Grant and the clone girl can do as well. So <laughs> anyone can do it. Yeah. Um, let's see what else. Uh, it's like five hours long. Oh my God. So yeah. <laughs> so I like when I, when I get a ticket on like AMC or what have you, I will go in and, add it to my calendar and like when I add it to my calendar it'll have the runtime and like when I do it through the AMC app it'll say like oh the movie starts at 2:30 and it'll end at 4:57 and I'm like okay cool sweet fine um but usually that does it uh like that accounts for the trailers too and it's usually like on point so I'm like sitting there I'm like okay I've got like 13 minutes left and then I'm just like wait a sec wait they didn't account for the tra- oh f- i have like another 35 minutes of this freaking movie and like it was it was excruciating because like you said it is it is like two separate movies going concurrently and i swear to you neither one of those movies are interesting <laughs> like at all and it's oh god and campbell scott plays we won't say who it is, I mean, whatever, but he plays the villain of the movie. And like, I know that Campbell Scott is usually kind of, at least in what I've seen him in is usually pretty dry and monotone and kind of like low key, but I don't know if I've seen in recent memory, an actor that is more bored with the, with the movie than he is. And then he throws in these like little eccentricities and quirks that just kind of feel like, completely out of place it's how did you feel about that character (laughs) well i'll just say i'll just say that the character is a callback to Mm -hmm. one from the original yeah and when when you figure out who it is you just go oh yeah (laughs) exactly yeah like it's really not that exciting um and (laughs) i honestly his performance was one of the high points for me okay um (laughs) Just, I'm not saying it's a good performance, mm-hmm. but it's a very entertaining performance. Yeah. He, like you said, he has these eccentricities. He's basically like, a, you know, like a Steve Jobs or a mm-hmm. Tim Cook kind of uh, eccentric. And <laughs> there's one part where uh, one of his employees asks him a question, like if he wants them to do something, and he says, uh, uh-huh. <laughs> and it's like... <laughs> It's so bizarre. So weird, yeah. Oh, the fact God. that that's the take they used <laughs> is amazing. Yeah. And it kind of shows that, you know, the director, Colin Trevorrow, doesn't mm-hmm. give a shit anymore. No. Um, no. <laughs> uh, the takes with uh, Jeff Goldblum feel like they were all one and dones as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I don't know how um, much of that is just Jeff Goldblum being Jeff Goldblum because he's just very... 
stilted, I guess, and very Jeff Goldblumy, but it's it just it just felt so uh uh bored. Um and, and it just felt <laughs> and also the dialogue for everyone was like horrendously simplistic. And like oh like Laura Dern and and uh oh my god Alan Grant, why can't I think of his name? Um with uh, Sam Neill. Sam Neill, yes. Uh with their like reunion and everything, it just feels like the most pandering like, oh, you guys should care about these characters, so we're not going to worry about actually writing compelling dialogue. They're going to ask each other how how they're doing and what the what like what they're up to and everything, and it's going to be the most dry and boring conversation, while also giving us a ton of exposition to throw at you that we've already gone through. It's just, god damn it, this um, movie made me so mad. I have to give a, a shout out to, mm. to Mitch again. He mm -hmm. made a great point about how Laura Dern is introduced in the movie. So she shows up in a Jeep, like mm -hmm. the, you know, similar to the ones from the original. Yeah. And she's wearing the same fucking outfit That's that she right. wears in the original. She has sunglasses on and she recreates the sort of dramatic, like yeah. taking off the sunglasses <laughs> reveal. <laughs> But in this movie, rather than being shocked at a dinosaur, she's looking at a field of like shitty CGI corn. Yes. And he said, he said that that just kind of sums up the whole movie. The, absolutely. Absolutely. God. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Yep. It's, it's and just so bad. It just feels sad. And mm. um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's, I don't know. I don't know. Like one of what, one of the big set pieces of the movie is this chase through Malta and it's where like, there's kind of an underground, like black market kind of like selling dinosaurs thing, which is an intriguing concept, but like everything else in this movie, it's not, it's not anything too interesting, but like, you have like this big game of like cat and mouse or catching or, or like running away, like all of these different things happening. Um, and like, I, it just, it felt like in, in my, in my letterbox review, I said that it felt like it, it felt like Colin Trevorrow, uh, saw like, um, watched a few parkour videos and decided to make a mission impossible, uh, fan, fi fan film <laughs> because that's, it just felt yes. so derivative. <laughs> yeah. When I was watching yeah. that, I turned to Mitch and I said, why is this trying to be mission impossible? Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Like what the, Oh, and by the way, the, di it felt like it didn't matter that there were dinosaurs in that sequence. <laughs> no, like, not at all. Like they might as well have been like bad guys on motorcycles. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like it just felt like a, a mission impossible movie and not yep. a Jurassic park movie. And I was yeah. just like, what the fuck are we watching? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and I, I did not, I did not know the glory of the man on the scooter, uh, moment. <laughs> like I'd, I'd forgotten that I'd heard about it or whatever. And then when it happened, I'm like, okay. Like I, I chortled in my seat and it was like, what the fuck is this movie? <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's that part. So basically a guy is just kind of casually snatched up by a mm -hmm. dinosaur when he's on a scooter. Mm -hmm. And 
I wanted so badly for that to happen to Chris Pratt <laughs> and then for him to just never be addressed mm-hmm. for the rest of the movie. <laughs> like I would have given like that would have redeemed the movie for me if he was just casually killed off. Yeah. Like in a wide shot where you like you barely see him. Oh yeah. <laughs> that would have been that would have been pretty epic. That would have been pretty pretty <laughs> epic. Um yeah, yeah. So this movie is billed as being the epic conclusion to the Jurassic era. Um, <laughs> Thank fuck. I know. And I mean, it's, it's, I don't know how it's doing. It's doing well at the box office. Cause I mean, it's, it's, it's doing well enough. Number no? one. Yeah. But I, I'm curious what the, what, what the drop off will be, but um I'm sure they'll probably make more. I don't know. I don't care. But like there were moments in this movie where I'm where I was sitting there and I was just like, yeah, you know, I I would be fine with never, never seeing another Colin Trevorrow movie ever again. <laughs> like that's how much I was just annoyed by the movie. But um, but yeah, I I I don't know. Um, yeah, it, it just it did not. I, I feel like it did not pay off on anything really and to bring back characters from the original movie and then have the most pandering and dumb fan servicey things it just shows this incredible lack of creativity um among the crew and like like behind the camera and everything because you have this this very interesting and high concept and crazy premise and like they do nothing of interest with it, and it's just, oh, it it just it really really stunk, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah um, <laughs> well, and plus, what's interesting about the bringing back the original characters is, like, they saw, they were able to foresee this happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a, you know, a, a world where you know we might just be coexisting with dinosaurs, mm-hmm. but it's never really explored. Like we don't see how yeah. they're kind of haunted by that, mm-hmm. uh, by the experiences of the original, and how like frustrated they must be that right. the world is where it is. Mm-hmm. You don't sense any frustration, really. No, no, um, not at all. Like I would be mad as hell if I survived Jurassic Park mm-hmm. and then went on to live in a, a world where dinosaurs are running around. Like Absolutely. how fucking frustrated would you be? Yeah. But instead and, uh, yeah. yeah. Instead Alan Grant is just he's he's doing the literally the exact same he's on a dig at like just like Jurassic Park because they need to just make that echo the first movie they don't care about actually making any headway with the characters or doing anything like character or emotional or emotionally with them or anything it's just they just want to talk about like they just want to make it vaguely reminiscent of the first movie and it's just so dumb i hate it (laughs) yeah 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 um and like the people who seem to be liking it are basically mm. saying like, oh, it's it's dumb fun and it's still, you know, dinosaurs um, chomping people. And it's like, shouldn't we want yeah. more than that? Yeah, we got dinosaurs chomping people in 1993. Like, right. that's that's we're we're fine. We're fine. 
Um, like that kind of complacency is why we have this movie. It, exactly. Exactly. It's it's the reason why like it's it's why people don't want to try hard to make an interesting movie. And what really pisses me off about it is that I love science fiction. I love 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 that genre. And what the Jurassic World uh franchise like what this trilogy is on paper is very interesting to me but none of it none of it pays off in any meaningful way or is explored in any meaningful way and it's just like the prime example i was going to save this for spoilers but since it's the opening of the movie or one of the openings of the movie i guess i can kind of uh, say it here but like they take the the cloned girl from from the second movie which i admit on paper is an interesting concept like okay they can clone dinosaur dinosaurs i almost said dinosaurs uh, like <laughs> mr dna but um they can clone dinosaurs they cloned like someone cloned a, a woman and like she's a little girl like that's an interesting concept and interesting morality god like god complex morality kind of thing all that's interesting. And then we get this movie where it's just like she's now 14 and she's frustrated because her surrogate mother and father are keeping her in a like secluded house, not allowed like for four years, she's not allowed to interact with anyone because they need to protect her. I'm like, this is the introduction of the protagonists of the movie and they're keeping this child <laughs> hostage. Like what the fuck am I watching? <laughs> like how is this, how is this anything? How is this not the dumbest movie? <laughs> it's just, it was so annoying to me. And I, I still don't really know what the purpose of her character was like her no. DNA tied to like, was tied to some discovery about the dinosaur. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Let's talk about that in spoilers. Um, do you want to okay. go into spoilers? Yeah, sure. Okay. All right. I'm going to play a clip from the trailer and then we're going to go into spoilers for Jurassic World Dominion. Yeah. Humans and dinosaurs can't coexist. We created an ecological disaster. Ellie Sattler. Alan Grant. You didn't come out all this way just to catch up now, did you? You coming or what? Okay, so my let me try let me try to kind of parse out the plot of this fucking movie. So Biosyn led by Dodson Dodson from the first movie um, has created locusts that are decimating the world's like farmland and like completely destroying the ecosystem of the world because they want people to only use biosyn products or somehow make a profit for, I don't, I don't understand that. And so in the face of literal extinction of the species, the struggle with Dodgson is not to do anything, apparently. And B.D. Wong's character, who I, I felt so bad for him this movie because he was given nothing. Um, 
he his whole thing is that like there's a big reveal that uh Macy or Maisie whatever was uh she was she in the in the previous movie it was believed that she was cloned by John Hammond's partner because his partner's uh uh daughter had died and he wanted to replace his daughter basically um but what's revealed in this movie is that the daughter Charlotte I think um cloned herself and like birthed Macy and then changed her DNA because she was, she was, Jesus, like she was, uh, she had some kind of rare disease. And so Charlotte, I think it was her name, (laughs) um, changed the DNA of the clone and like was able to change, like eradicate the disease from every cell of her body. And BD Wong is like we need to we I need to figure out how to do that and so that then that way we can get rid of all the locusts and everything and you've yet to mention dinosaurs I was just gonna say that like I I thought of that like two sentences ago and I'm like I didn't say a fucking thing about dinosaurs like what the fuck <laughs> is this movie um yeah it's just so dumb it like it's like they intentionally took the least interesting storyline that they could think of and just threw dinosaurs in it. It's, oh my God, I hated this. So in spoilers, how did you feel about this? Uh, the the insane dumbass plot of this movie? <laughs> well, <clears throat> it sets itself up as a really promising disaster mm-hmm. movie Yeah, where humans are dealing with dinosaurs running around the earth. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> then as you mentioned, it drifts off into this weird subplot about locusts. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I could barely follow what you were saying. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And that, and that's, that's not a jab at you. It's no. just a jab <laughs> at how convoluted the movie is. Yeah. Um, that you can talk for like, you know, a good three minutes about the plot yep. without even mentioning dinosaurs. Yep. <laughs> um, so in terms of Biosyn, this is where I was saying the movie kind of duplicates the the sins of Jurassic World. Mm-hmm. Rather than giving us um, a movie with, you know, a bunch of people dealing with dinosaurs on Earth, we just go back to another Jurassic Park-esque facility yes. which is biosyn yeah and focus on a few characters uh you know making their way through the facility dealing with dinosaurs mm-hmm. and it's like we've we've seen this before yeah like, oh yeah I, I don't like give me a movie where we're actually dealing with dinosaurs on earth mm-hmm. um like why do we keep i mean i i get that that's the formula yeah that's what made the first one successful but are people really wanting to see just that same thing? Right? I mean, I guess. Uh, yeah. And this is the sixth movie of the franchise. And like one of the things, one of the only redeeming aspects of Fallen Kingdom is that it ended on a note as convoluted and weird as it was. Cause I, I don't remember exactly the logistics of it, but basically all the dinosaurs escape from the house that they're doing the auction in and like it ends on a note of like oh now dinosaurs are out in the wild and i'm like i left the theater thinking like first of all this should have been the first movie of the trilogy and they should have done like Jurassic World Fallen King like had the had the dinosaurs escape 
and then do that and then have the next two if they were going to do a trilogy do two movies of them in the wild and humanity uh, having a reckoning with that but the, the like the concept was just so intriguing to me and then and then you're exactly right. They just they fly the characters to a a massive sanctuary where they get to interact with the dinosaurs and all hell breaks loose and everything. And I'm like, this is yeah, this is shit that we've seen. Shit that we've seen and we've seen done better in 1993. It's just so annoying. So so annoying. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Well, it's, you know, it, it kind of makes me want to give more credit to the lost world because, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, if I remember correctly, the lost world, um, it obviously didn't take place on a functioning park. Right. It was just an Island with dinosaurs. And then, you know, they, um, gosh, where do the dinosaurs, where does the T-Rex go at the end? I think it goes to California. I think it's in LA. Okay. I think. Yeah. See, like that's awesome. Oh yeah. That's, that's an actual progression from Mm -hmm. the first movie to something different and something we want to see, which is a dinosaur in a huge city. I mean, that's awesome. Oh yeah. Um, Jurassic world dominion doesn't give us anything like really new or different. Um, uh, Colin Trevorrow teased the new like badass dinosaur, <laughs> which he compared to the Joker for some reason. <laughs> that, um, just, I, that that kills me. That kills me. So, like just the idea of that. Like, oh, he just wants to see the world burn or whatever. I'm like, okay. Like he's a he's a dinosaur first of all, but also just like does that not show just uh colin if you're listening i'm sorry but how dumb this man sounds <laughs> like how like right. ill-equipped he is for this type of movie um well yeah. and that dinosaur is in one sequence <laughs> yeah well like two and, two oh, or three total okay. yeah but it's also it's not i like, couldn't tell it apart from oh, other no. dinosaurs yeah so. In in the one of the like two or three sequences it's in is like one of the only parts that I was like oh this is actually pretty cool and I think it was that dinosaur but the one with the uh, Bryce Dallas Howard underwater like the way the it was like trying to sniff through the water to get her and then left was that the Giganotsaurus or whatever? No, that was a no? that was a different one. Oh, um, okay. That was actually pretty cool. That I was, liked that sequence. That was my one like decent one. And now I'm just really like, okay. And then I, apparently I was wrong. That's not the like big, bad Joker dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was pretty cool. Like mm. it sniffing the water um, yeah. was kind of suspenseful. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, that scene could have been a little bit better if there was mm-hmm. an alligator in there. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, just give me some sense of danger. Yeah. I mean, Jesus Christ. Oh yeah. I felt, I felt no urgency in this movie mm-hmm. whatsoever. Same. I was like, all these fucking characters are going to live. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously. Yeah. But I just, I mean, you know, the characters in the original are going to live as well, but like, think about that, the, you know, classic kitchen sequence. Yes. Um, you know, the kids are going to make it, you know, make it out. Yeah. But it's, suspenseful as hell it's like mm-hmm. one of the scariest sequences of all time yeah 
Oh yeah. I felt, I felt none of that here. Nope. No, none of it. And like, and it, it gets so bogged down with these like bullshit fan service references to the original movie that are not needed and are so surface level that it's, it's, it's basically plagiarism. <laughs> like, the whole like them in the like like I don't even I don't even remember or care to remember what Bryce Dallas Howard and and Laura Dern were doing, but they're in the place with the locusts and they're trying to reset things or whatever with with Jeff Goldblum talking through the through the intercom thing. But then like even like the suspense like supposed to be suspenseful moments, like when when you have Ian Malcolm getting the flare or whatever. And like he's he's trying to get the dinosaur away. It's like okay, this is cute. It's a cute callback to the first movie. And like oh, now he's gonna do it right when he should have like the instead of you know messing up and like he did in ninety three. Cool. Like I don't need that. It's like in my letterbox review, I said like it's basically the same. It, it made me feel like I was in like rise of Skywalker again, because that movie was filled with these just surface level callbacks and references that just, uh, I just, I, uh, I hated it. Anyway, what do you think of? <laughs> well, the callbacks, um, a lot of them just feel desperate and yes. it's like the, the jokes kind of write themselves. Mm-hmm. I mean, just look at, you know, the, the return of Dodson, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you can just repeat what Newman says in the original <laughs> yeah. and say, you know, got Dodson here. See, nobody cares. <laughs> nobody cares. And like um, his death scene, like you see the little Barbasol can, like what, like what the, f- okay. Did you catch yeah, that? It, yeah. Yeah. Again, it's like when, when you see the Barbasol can, he's the guy who gives Newman the Barbasol can in yeah. the original, just for listeners yeah. out there. Um, so when you see the Barbasol can, like all the other comebacks, it's the, my reaction was just like, oh yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like none of them were exciting. No, no. Uh, so dumb. So, so freaking dumb. Um, oh, and yeah. and maybe this is too soon to mention this, but I'll just go <laughs> ahead. So this movie, after all is said and done, and they, uh, you know, escape <laughs> the Biosyn facility, mm-hmm. they just go back to living in a world where dinosaurs <laughs> are running around. There's, like, who fucking gives yeah, a shit? Again, again, this movie does not need dinosaurs because the big change that happens is that is that Dr. I think Wu uh, is able to eradicate the locusts, which have nothing to do with dinosaurs. <laughs> it's just, what the hell? What the hell like is this Like, our world movie? is still fucked by the end. <laughs> exactly. Oh, and I my think God. It's, I think, like, Dr. Sadler and Dr. Grant are going to, mm-hmm. like, speak in front of Congress or something, and it's like, good oh, luck yeah. with that. Yeah. Like, As, Congress ever fucking solves anything. Right? Right? And like, and, and the kind of, uh, the kind of like, um, very hopeful way that she says, like, let's finish this. Like, okay, okay. okay. As kids are playing <laughs> with dinosaurs in the background in the pond, like, right. oh my God, just, oh, it was, it was so dumb. Um, in the, the other aspect, aspect of the movie, uh, something we haven't uh, talked about yet is uh, a couple of the new characters. I, I don't really care that the the pilot character I I rolled my eyes very hard at her introduction because again 
there's nothing there's nothing really unique about this movie. There's nothing like Jurassic World Dominion is not an original like movie or concept or anything. It takes a concept and does not do anything of interest with it. But like this new character, uh, Kayla, uh, Dewanda Wise, I'm like, I'm like sitting there. I'm like, okay, yeah, cool. Well, you know, every, like every single freaking like smuggler pilot character, like every single one doesn't need to be Han Solo. Like this is like, I don't care. Like, why are you why are you aping and ripping off like one of the like biggest franchises for this like character that is essentially the exact same as that franchise's character it's just it was so annoying to me yeah she felt just sort of thrown in to me yeah yep um i I mean, you know, she gives a, a fine performance. Yeah. Um, she does the best with, you know, what she has to work with. But mm-hmm. um, that character just felt tacked on. And, mm-hmm. and oh, uh, kind of insulting. Um, uh, so, you know, she has a few lines that suggest that she's gay. Yeah. And they're basically played for laughs and it's like, mm. is this the movie's attempted representation? Like really? Yeah. It's like that. It's like that classic way that movies these days are trying to have their cake and eat it too, by showing like having like the barest, barest form of representation in terms of like, lgbtq uh representation and everything in the in the smallest way so that they can edit it out of foreign of of foreign releases and everything it is it's so annoying it's it is it is a slap in the face it's so dumb like i think her i think chris pratt says something like you know he's describing um Bryce Dallas Howard and he mm. says something like I like redheads and she says yeah. me too and it's like yeah. ha ha yeah um, it's it, just like fuck that man yeah. oh yeah and you see her I think speaking to or speaking next to like a woman that looks like she could be a significant other but again mm. it's you don't see her face you don't see them interact in any meaningful way it's just you can infer from that line earlier in the movie and it's like again the barest thing like they are it it is it is just so transparent and dumb i i hate it <laughs> i mean like i don't i don't need a whole subplot about no, her you no. know sexual orientation but it's yeah. like either give me something good or nothing at all it, exactly exactly like that's my kind of as as a straight cis man <laughs> um <laughs> I like like my whole thing and I said this in a previous episode but my entire like I I want to see like all like I want to see different lifestyles I want to see different people's live lifestyles represented in a natural way I want to see because like I don't need anything like shoehorned in in a very minimal way so that people can like say like well we we gave this this group this piece of representation no i want to see a character have like a full arc and full 
everything. And I want it to be freaking normalized. I want it to be a normal thing in media, in a reflection of how normal it is in the real world. Like, that's not that freaking hard to do. Um, but then you have the bigots and the assholes and, and idiots who think that it's, you know, shoving it down people's throats that it, I hate, uh, I, I hate the world. (laughs) So, so yeah. Um, Yeah. And I mean, I know people were upset about the Batman kind of glossing over, uh, Catwoman sexuality, but honestly, like just portraying it as a normal thing and being Mm -hmm. kind of ambiguous about it. Like at least that's better than just kind of playing it for laughs. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, another character that, I think this was his first introduction in the franchise, but uh, Mamudu Athi, I'm mispronouncing that, I'm sure, played Ramsey Cole, the Biosyn uh, worker or uh, employee who helps them get the sample and all that stuff. Like, there was a moment where, like, he is, he's very clearly, like, working with, with, um, with Ian and, like, the, like, it's played like it's supposed to be a secret, but it's very clear. But, like, there's a moment where he explicitly tells uh tells them like okay yes use this elevator don't use this elevator because this goes to that goes to the sub basement and this is after ian has said you go to sub basement six to get the sample and everything and like i thought like the movie was so dumb and so annoying that i honestly thought like are are did they just have that like if he doesn't come like i was i wasn't sure if he was going to be revealed as working with them or anything i just thought that that was an example of unbelievably dumb dialogue to let us know that they are going to go to that elevator but no he was in on it but it i yeah i thought he did a good job but it just i didn't care yeah yeah and you know he reveals um who he's really loyal to to Mm -hmm. uh Dodson as well yeah and um you know uh, the stakes don't feel that high in that scene because Campbell Scott's so indifferent to everything Mm. yep um I just I don't know like was that supposed to be a powerful subplot I have no idea and also that kind of (laughs) It doesn't even track like that comes out kind of out of nowhere He where he's like, like basically saying like, oh, you were you were like my protege and and everything. And I'm just like, was he? <laughs> because I thought that he just worked like, OK, fine, whatever. We can we can do that. Sure. <laughs> whatever. Um, Yeah. Well, yeah. he's he's depicted as like Campbell Scott's kind of grunt worker. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there's even uh, like a joke line about, you know, can you get me my those those candy bars or yeah. something like that? And um so he doesn't seem like his protege. Just like as I'm talking about these subplots, mm-hmm. and not to rag on people who liked it, yeah, but I just want to say, like, were you were you tuned out during this stuff? Right? Like like, like did you enjoy that subplot? Like yeah. really? Yeah, in a movie, like, I I really have a hard time wrapping my head around the idea. And I mean, hey, if you liked this movie, more power to you. I'm so happy for you. Awesome. That is so awesome. But also, 
why <laughs> like because it's a movie about locusts and dinosaurs are like have cameos throughout it like it's not like the dinosaur stuff is not that interesting or integral the science fiction is not is not scientific enough or and are, like dramatic enough to make any impression or anything the th- plot threads that run throughout the previous installments of the movie or of the franchise don't pay off in any meaningful way like the movie starts and ends in this exact same position humans and dinosaurs living together and like just one the beginning has locust the end doesn't it's like it's so just dumb it's dumb and if you want to say that yes it's a dumb movie and i just wanted to see dinosaurs wreak havoc and just see these cool like blockbuster moments more power to you but also the blockbuster moments were basically mission impossible bullshit and the dinosaur stuff was stuff that we saw in other movies like this is the sixth movie do something interesting with it don't like have laser pointers on these people's backs so that they can mimic mission impossible uh and in in a very <laughs> shitty way <laughs> without the magic of like Christopher McQuarrie or anything. God damn it. <laughs> I think that that like little rant just summed it up perfectly. <laughs> nice. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> like like you just in in those like two minutes you just perfectly summed up all the problems <laughs> problems with the movie. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. Should we wrap up this review of Jurassic World Dominion before I give myself an aneurysm? Yeah, I honestly don't have anything else to say. Yeah. Um, do you, would you want to, like, would this, has this installment, like, left you cold enough to where if they make, like, another, another movie or another trilogy of movies, is there anything that would bring you back or get you any form of interest in, in, in any future installments of, of the Jurassic um, uh, franchise or are you done completely? <laughs> Honestly, I think the only thing that would bring me back is a really bizarre concept mm-hmm. by a respectable director mm-hmm. or just Spielberg coming back and doing yeah. them. Um, I thought that, you know, another route they could go with it, which would be boring as fuck, (laughs) but, um, would be like sort of a prequel to Jurassic Park. Um, you know, kind of how Hammond built the park. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess you couldn't really have anything go too wrong with it though, because I don't know who would fucking care. (laughs) I, I, yeah, like I, (laughs) I think I'm done unless like a great, unless a really great filmmaker came around, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm done. Yeah. Honestly, me too. Like I said, Jurassic Park is one of my favorite movies of all time. And it's incredible to me that in the nearly like in the 29 years since then, 29, right? Yeah. Um, I haven't cared about any of the five sequels like in that, that just, (laughs) I, it blows my mind. Like I came out of the theater just thinking like, why? Okay, fine. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Um, like I just didn't care. So, so yeah. So, um, that's our Jurassic world dominion review. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah. Thank you, Sam, for, for that fun conversation. We are going to, uh, start wrapping up the episode where we're going to do a potpourri section, um and in that potpourri section we're going to talk about uh a movie that sam you loaned to me 
many moons ago. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I finally watched it. It's 1998's Happiness. Um, I'm going to go ahead and play a short clip from the trailer, and then we'll get into our potpourri segment talking about happiness. So here we go. People are always putting New Jersey down, but that's just because they don't get it. I'm living in a state of irony. How's it going? She only knew how I felt, but she doesn't even know I exist. I bore people. Who is that boring person, they think? I've never before met anyone so boring. But I've met Sometimes I wonder how any of your patients can talk to you. I should tape some for you. Oh, Bill, would you? Would you really? So I could listen to? No. <laughs> Uh, Happiness is a uh, movie directed by, oh God, uh, Tony Salons. Is that right? Todd Salons. Todd Salons. Damn it. Uh, Todd Salons. Uh, You're already fucking it up. I am. (laughs) And the plot summary courtesy of IMDb is the lives of several individuals intertwine as they go about their lives in their own unique ways, engaging in acts society as a whole might find uh, disturbing in a desperate search for human connection. So, Sam, this is one of your, like, favorite movies. Um yeah, top ten. Yeah, so how like let's let's talk about that and and like uh, let's frame this review or frame this segment into uh, by by kind of talking about your love of this movie and then I can uh, I can <laughs> ruin our friendship with my thoughts on it that I've, I've softened on it but yeah anyway uh, happiness. <laughs> I like how you set that up. It sounded like you were saying so. This one, your all time favorite movies. What's wrong with you? <laughs> no, no, no. There are several <laughs> other reasons I could ask you what's wrong with you than this movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I saw this movie um, in college, uh, but I had been curious about it for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it has a really striking, memorable, uh, illustrated poster. Yeah. Of all the characters. Um, and that always stuck out in my, in my mind. I remember seeing the, the VHS box at Blockbuster and being really intrigued. Um, actually I saw an ad, uh, a color ad for, uh, the movie in a newspaper and that kind of, oh, nice. me. um, but, um, yeah, I this is a movie that really just knocked me out. Mm-hmm. Um I when it was over I felt like I had never seen anything quite like it. Um I mean, it's just so daring. Um you know, to give you an example, it it in one of the subplots it basically attempts to I guess I'll say humanize a pedophile. Mhm. Um, and it, uh, shows a pedophile who is seemingly a normal suburban family man. He has a wife and kids. And at one point near the end, he talks to his son Mm -hmm. about his pedophilia and they're having this like open, honest discussion. And I just thought, I can't believe I'm watching this. Yeah. I, I can't, I can't believe that I'm not revolted i'm actually engaged Mm -hmm. and um you know i wouldn't say i would wouldn't say i was empathizing with that character right but was at least seeing him as you know a a human being and it does that for several other characters um you know uh philip seymour hoffman plays a, Mm -hmm. a sort of office drone who has these really dark 
sexual desires. He, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, kind of fantasizes about his neighbor, um, who, Mm -hmm. uh, is kind of provocative herself. She's very sexual. Mm -hmm. It basically, uh, explores these people who are indulging in these, um, you know, really dark desires. Um, some of them though, like Jane Adams character are just ordinary people struggling to find happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, and seeing how, you know, they're, uh, they're not unlike the pedophile character. He is also right. struggling to find happiness. Mm-hmm. And it, it's like connecting these people in a way that you can't believe it's connect. It's successfully connecting them, and I guess that's kind of uh, the most impressive aspect of the movie for me. That's you know that that is a very well said, and that is a very interesting perspective. And, and like that's something that I I don't know if I really um, thought about it in in those terms, in terms of like the connection, like the the way that they're kind of making their way and everything. Um, throughout kind of, you know, the course of the story, but it was, it was one of the more difficult watches that I've had. Um, not necessarily like it, it doesn't show anything disturbing or graphic, um, throughout it, but just like the, the normalcy of the actions of se- several characters include like most in particular Dylan Baker's character, the, the pedophile character. It, it's such an interesting way that it melds this kind of every like kind of like nuclear family, family man, um, ordinary, you know, guy, um, who has like all and of he's this a therapist, which is surprising. And, yeah. And he's a therapist. Yeah. And like all of this, all of this stuff. And then he has these impulses, these, these, like he's, he's a monster. He is a monster who is a serial rapist. And while fortunately it obviously doesn't show anything, um in that respect what i what i liked or what i what i found fascinating i should say is the way that it has this just it pulls back this um it i guess pulls it pulls its punches it 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 has this energy of showing the evil and abnormalities among the ordinary and normal and i just thought that that was such a striking kind of method of of telling the story and disgusting in a very different way for me um it was just it was really i i will say i didn't i didn't i didn't really like the movie all that much <laughs> but i do under i i do find it to be a very unique movie and unlike really unlike anything of of its of its type that I've, I've seen, like it kind of reminded me a little bit of, did you see the, was it Adrian Brody? Um, and Oh God, that one guy, uh, I don't know. Um, was it little children where the guy is, um, yeah. Confused for a pedophile or something. Um, Oh yeah. Uh, I think yeah. little children's a good example. Yeah. It kind of shows these like, horrible things happening mm-hmm. amid everyday life. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. And it, it kind of reminded me of that, but it, it does have this dark humor. Happiness does that. I just, I found that to be kind of weirdly endearing in a, in a certain way. It, it did, it did have this uh, level of uh, connectedness through people who f- struggle uh, struggle a lot with with finding any kind of connection. So I, I kind of found that to be kind of compelling. Yeah, I, I like what you said about how it shows evil playing out, um, mm-hmm. you know, kind of um, uh, amid these ordinary settings. Like there's one sequence where uh, the pedophile, his son is having a, having one of his friends sleep over and, and yes. you know, he, uh, the pedophile is praying after his son's friend. Mm-hmm. So he's trying to come up with a way to, to poison him so mm-hmm. he can, you know, rape him. Mm-hmm. Um, and it uh, kind of juxtaposes the, the heinousness of that with the, kind of absurdity of the ordinary setting mm-hmm. like this the sequence almost plays out like something from a, a family sitcom yeah you, you see um the pedophile uh you know kind of frantically trying to find something to poison mm-hmm. um and uh like even there's even like kind of pleasant uh you know family movie music mm-hmm. um in that scene and it's just, I think that was a really effective way of showing how, you know, uh, horrible things are happening behind, um, you know, very ordinary walls that we, yeah. you know, don't, don't see. Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, I, I, I don't know. I wish I could articulate that better, but. No, 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 no. You like that that's a that's a really good point and like in that in that particular scene um i don't know how much i want to give away or anything but um what's what is weirdly interesting to me is that it does play out like this kind of kind of black comedy sort of like comedy of errors sort of thing maybe not comedy of errors but like like you said kind of this this idea of like oh he's this pedophile is trying to prey on a young victim, um, but is finding it difficult to get him to, uh, to eat this poisoned food. So he has to do something else to get the poison to him and everything. And it's for, for a while, it plays out like this, this kind of like, okay, this guy is a pedophile. He's dangerous, but he's also kind of a buffoon and he can't really, maybe not buffoon, but he can't really get, like he's he's acting on this dark very uh, horrific and and evil impulse but it's not working but then the movie just and this is a slight spoiler uh the movie lets him succeed and that is where it got like very difficult for me to watch cuz it's just presented in such a darkly comedic way that it's it's just it's it's very off-putting but it's something that I can I like not to say that it's a bad movie or anything it's just something that I couldn't really like I like I had trouble rectifying that with with my with my like mind <laughs> when watching it which is maybe a credit to the movie uh itself but it was just very very strange 
Yeah, it's um, and I think you know the sort of I don't want to say comedic. I think it works more on sort mm-hmm. of an absurdist level. Yeah. Um, quality of that scene, like it either works for you or it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's the the risk the movie's taking, and and yeah. I have to applaud it for you know, taking such a bold risk. Um, mm-hmm. I think, you know, the, the laughter, the possible laughter that comes out of that scene is just the absurdity of what we're watching. Yeah. Um, you know, we're watching this, this guy try to kind of maintain his image as a family man, but mm-hmm. at the same time act upon this horrific impulse. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of the absurdity of all the characters is, you know, yeah. they're trying to come across as, you know, seemingly good, citizens but they're uh you know uh, they're they're trying to seem good while kind of stepping closer to hell i guess yeah that's yeah that's that's a good way to put it yeah um it was a treat to see jared harris in the movie <laughs> i didn't uh, i didn't expect to see jared harris in it so yeah um yeah he's he's uh he's a funny character yeah. um and I think Philip Seymour Hoffman is great. Oh, um, he gave an incredible performance. Um, yeah, that very—I don't know. It, it's kind of—it kind of feels like a sort of maybe not signature Philip Seymour Hoffman performance, but it's very—it's very like, uh, oh God, I can't even think of a word to describe it. Very breathy and, um, <laughs> yeah, I—I I don't know, sweaty, <laughs> like. Breathy and flop sweaty. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think the movie is basically just saying, you know, humans are, are very fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, humanity is messy and, mm-hmm. and, um, the only subplot I will admit is a bit weak is the one involving um, an older couple. Yeah. Um, I, I just didn't find it quite as interesting. I realize why they need to be in the movie because mm-hmm. it's kind of trying to show both sides of the, the age spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, uh, I, you know, I just found that one of the, the duller subplots. Yeah. I I agree. That was that was the one that I was uh least engaged with for better or worse. Um and it was also it was also my memory of it at least was that it was also kind of the most uh kind of ordinary or normal um uh subplot so that is also kind of a factor as well um as far as me not really be engaged by it because everything else is just kind of off the wall and absurd. Um, I will say without spoiling it, this movie does have one of the craziest to me final lines of a movie (laughs) that it just kind of, when it clicked together, I was like that. Okay. It's, it's like this weird, very very strong punctuation mark at the end of a movie that i was struggling to understand what the meaning of it was or understand what was going on or what what the purpose of the movie was and then that happened and i was like that's that's so funny and weird and it's a perfect ending to the movie (laughs) 
Um, it yeah. really is perfect because it, it kind of, it kind of sums up what all of these people are seeking mm-hmm. and it's showing, you know, a young person's, um, uh, kind of first steps in finding his own happiness. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's kind of by seeing all the fucked up characters before that moment, mm-hmm. it's like foreshadowing this fucked up journey that this kid now has to embark upon toward adulthood, which yeah. is just a sad, horrifying, desperate, uh, uh, search for happiness. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, and, uh, <laughs> uh, to kind of wrap up this and everything I'm in, in, in light of, of your analysis of the movie, I just want to say, are you okay? <laughs> um. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a, uh, you know, I, I, Jin, um, uh, before we get started dating, uh, mm-hmm. went through my top 10 mm-hmm. and, uh, I was kind of nervous about her watching happiness. Yeah. I was like, okay, this could be a real deal breaker. Like, <laughs> um, cause it's very disturbing mm-hmm. and kind of, uh, kind of morally questionable. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh uh she loved it and i was like good nice. i found someone just as fucked up as me <laughs> exactly um, um of course yeah. yeah i love you and jen it's <laughs> you guys are great um <laughs> yeah yeah that that is that is definitely a keeper um <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. I see how it's not for everyone though. Right. I mean, it's, it's a, like you said, it's a tough watch mm-hmm. and it's, um, it's very uncomfortable yeah. and, uh, but I, I kind of love uncomfortable movies. So, yeah. Oh, I totally, totally get that. And is it, it's not streaming anywhere. Cause I borrowed your DVD. Um, is it even available digital anywhere? Do you know? Often? Uh, it's it's oddly hard to find, even mm-hmm. though it was kind of a critical success. Um, I'm not sure where it's available. Yeah, um, um, I think basically yeah, just, just Amazon. Good to luck. Buy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so yeah, but anyway, that's happiness from 1998. Um, I do have one uh, thing to throw out for potpourri, if you don't mind indulging me. I know you haven't seen the movie I'm going to sure. talk about, but okay, cool. So, uh, so yeah, so to round out the episode, I'm going to talk briefly about my thoughts on the new Pixar movie Lightyear, which is actually coming out in theaters this Friday, uh, or the day that you guys are listening to this on the main feed, um, in the plot summary courtesy of IMDb is while spending years attempting to return home, Maroon Space Ranger Buzz Lightyear in, uh, encounters an army of ruthless robots commanded by Zerg who are attempting to steal his fuel source. Um, Sam, I know you didn't go to the screening for this. Are you at all interested in Lightyear or Pixar in general? Um, yeah, I like Pixar. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I'm that interested in Lightyear. Mm-hmm. I did like in Toy Story, the original, um, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, didn't Buzz Lightyear have his own show? It was like Space Command. Yeah, I think it opens the second movie. Is like a is like Buzz Aldrin or not Buzz Aldrin, but Buzz Lightyear, Star Command or whatever. Um, but yeah, yeah, he does he have like yeah. this. He fights this like Darth Vader type villain yep. called 
uh, the evil emperor Zerg. Yeah. And I was excited for this in the mm-hmm. sense that, you know, I, I hope it explores that a little bit. Um, I, the idea, it looks, I might be wrong. It mm-hmm. looks like kind of a more grounded, like astronaut thing. Um, I wanted like hardcore sci-fi, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Tell me like, does it, is it like grounded in reality or is it, as as far as science fiction is concerned, I will say there are no locusts in the movie, um, but um, it's actually pretty good. My big kind of sticking point going into it was I didn't understand how it was going to fit in the kind of universe because it's it's a movie about the, you know, the toy from Toy Story, like, like, uh, like, I didn't know, like, okay, are we in the Toy Story universe watching a movie that is now the product of, like, has the, has the, you know, uh, um, marketing stuff for that, that, you know, Andy really likes in Toy Story. Um, and I will say that the movie does address that in honestly the laziest way. (laughs) It is, it is, Literally, like at the start of the movie, it's like in 1994 or whenever, uh, a young boy named Andy uh, got a toy uh, based on his favorite movie. His favorite movie. This is that movie, <laughs> and then that's that's oh, our introduction. Gosh. Yeah, I'm like, okay, you guys, you can do something a little bit easier than that, or a little bit better than that. But honestly, it it's really pretty good. It's it's probably mid tier Pixar for me. Um, the like the nuance of character that Pixar is so known for and the emotional aspect of the characters isn't quite there here. It's not, it's not as emotionally heavy or uh, emotionally fulfilling as like say up or Wally or any, like any of like the mid, like early to mid two thousands Pixar movies were, but what it does have is some pretty cool visuals and, uh, some fun space exploration, space ranger stuff that isn't necessarily grounded in in uh, like hard sci-fi or anything, but it is a fun sci-fi adventure, action adventure story. Um, so that it it works for that. There's some pretty uh, kind of surface level like character stuff, like Buzz wants to do everything on his own and he needs to learn how to work with others and all the all of this stuff. But I will say that. The uh, worth the price of admission alone is the uh, robot cat sidekick character named Socks, that is nice. absolutely adorable. And yeah, it's it's it, it's basically the same. It's it's basically a robot cat version of Doug from Up, uh, just about. Uh-oh. And it's it's nice. like that similar type of thing. And it's just it, he's he's adorable, and I I love him. Um, <laughs> But overall, it was pretty fun. It was fine. It was uh, it was entertaining. Um, and yeah, th- there was one moment, and I and I did a a more kind of immediate reaction on Patreon. So check that out, Patreon.com/slash/obsessive viewer at the two dollar level. But um, there's a moment early on where he's doing this test flight to try to get hyperspace worked out and everything. And his like trajectory is off and he has to go through, go through these like deceleration rings to get, to get to hyperspace and everything. And like, he is, he's like talking to the computer and he's like, I can do this. I can work this out. I can do this on my own. And so what he does is he takes like a protractor and, and stuff. And he does like the equations on the wind, the window of the cockpit. And I'm like, that's cool. I love seeing that. (laughs) 
Like I love seeing that level of just working through a problem in in a scientific way in science fiction, and like it, that just that made me feel very happy. Um, yeah, so I don't know. It was it was good. It, I would I would recommend checking it out. It comes out Friday. <laughs> yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Um, so, uh, that is just about it for this episode. Um, thank you so much, Sam, for joining me again. And it's been a blast and, uh, yeah. And, uh, why don't you tell people? Of course, thank you. Yeah, of course. Uh, anytime. And, uh, why don't you tell people where they can find you online and find your work and, uh, everywhere people can find you. Yeah, uh, you can find me on Letterboxd at Sam Movie Man, uh, and you can also find my reviews at MidwestFilmJournal.com. And uh, yeah, in terms of my new uh, movie stuff, that's where I am. Nice. Awesome. Well, always a pleasure. Thank you once again uh, for joining me and uh, for sacrificing a bit of your evening for me. <laughs> so I definitely oh, appreciate it. It was a pleasure. Yeah. Nice. Thank you. Right on. All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and play us out. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening and uh, make sure to check out Patreon, patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. I am doing episode recaps and reviews of Stranger Things. I've done a bunch of Marvel stuff on there and I've got a bunch of stuff uh, coming out as well. Also, Church of King doing reviews of short fiction, Stephen King. Um, all of that is on Patreon. So check that out. Thank you guys so much for listening and we'll see you in the next episode. And now, here's a short clip from our Patreon-exclusive RSS feed. To hear the full clip and more exclusive Patreon content, go to patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer and become a patron at the minimum rate of $1 per month. Thank you and enjoy. <laughs> yeah. Hi, Pizza. The official mascot of Obsessive Viewer. Um, she's so precious. <laughs> yeah. It was so precious how earlier uh, mm -hmm. I turned the corner and she hissed mm -hmm. at me. Oh. Uh and then I couldn't move because I, I was scared. Know about that, I yeah, I, I I think you've got your facts wrong there. Um, no. Yeah, yeah, I think you do. Um, yeah, can you just say that again, real quick? Um, what she did, what she is alleged to have done. She hissed. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, she <laughs> tried again. She this podcast was edited and produced by Matt Hurt and presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. You can find links to all of our shows at ObsessiveViewer.com slash podcasts. For exclusive bonus content, including reviews, commentaries, and B-roll episodes, you can subscribe to our Patreon at Patreon.com slash ObsessiveViewer. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode. <laughs>